All right. So I'm going to go through several myths today. And incidentally, if you've got a question or you've heard something, you know, people have argued about and you don't really know, please send it to us. Uh, there was a place on Facebook this week, but uh, just email us, text us, whatever, and get that to us because uh, I'd really, I really love to address it from kind of where you are in your thinking. Because this morning, I think, here's the, the first part of this. And right now, this is a three-parter. If y'all send me more questions, it might be a four or five. I don't know. But it's a three-parter right now. Uh, and, and today is really about refocusing, okay? Because Everything out there in the world that talks about the afterlife or eternity, you know, heaven, hell, and all that, you know, you're surrounded by it all the time. I mean, just Google movies about heaven or movies about the afterlife and just see how many, you know, just movies are out there, movies that you've watched. You know, movies, you know, some of your favorites, you know, like that old movie Ghost, you know, and where he kind of hangs around, you know, and just takes care of his wife for a little while or, or uh, you know, or some other. Now, I'm going to actually share some of that next week, so I need to get away from some of that. But it's, it will confuse us and, 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 and we'll forget. And we read scripture and then people will maybe say, but I think this. Once again, you know, one, one of our core issues, one of our core beliefs here at 2911 is the Bible is the inspired word of God, period. We, we take it as our authority, period. And so when we read the Bible, then we don't then add to that, but here's what I think. We don't add to that. I mean, we, we, we stick right there with the Bible. So I'm going to be taking, to you, the, taking you to the Bible to uh, talk about these myths, okay? So let's talk about here's Here's the first one I'm going to throw at you, and i got a several today we're going to go through. There is no God, no afterlife, no heaven, no hell. Just like, hey, when death you know, hits you, it's over. You know, that's all of it. There, there is nothing else that matters, nothing coming along. I want to take you to uh, five verses of Scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. And, uh, and I know, it, and you kind of think, well, hey, if somebody's an atheist, I can't really open the Bible and hand to them and say, but look what it says here because they don't believe that either. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Follow me here, okay? Follow me here. These, these five verses. For we know, and, and, and yeah, Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to church-going people. But, but look at what he says. For we know that if the earthly tent, talking about this body, we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. Because we are not this body, this earthly tent. We live in an earthly tent. We have a, bu a building from God, an eternal house, an eternal body in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. He's saying, like, you know, really, we're kind of naked, right? Yeah, I mean, I know, you know, physically, you know, we've got a body, but he said our souls really are naked because we're not really wearing a spiritual cloak and garment or, or, or body. For while we are in this tent, we groan. And anybody groan lately? Anybody been burdened? Did you groan when you got up out of bed this morning? I mean, or did you groan when the clock went off this morning? I mean, we were in a hotel. We were down at, at uh, the beach this, past, this weekend to, to uh, marry Brooke and Pierce at the beach. And uh, yesterday morning, about 7 a.m., you know, we're going to sleep in if we could. It was about 7 a.m., the alarm clock in the room next door to us went off, you know. And they, what do you, you know, groan. We groan. There's a lot of stuff to groan about in this world, you know. You watch the news and you, uh, you groan, you know. Uh, or the bills show up and you, you ever open them and you groan. We groan. Why? Because we're burdened. Why? Because there's a lot of junk that we deal with while we're in this tent. 
So we groan and we're burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So this is the mortal part of us. This is what passes away, this tent. But there's something inside of us that does not pass away. We want this mortal to be swallowed up by what? Life. And you need to get this. This, this, is, this is really important this week, also in next week's sermon, that this mortality is going to be swallowed up by not just immortality, but by life. It's life. You need, you need to remember that word. Life. It's life. Uh, now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. He's fashioned us for a purpose. What purpose? To not be in this, but to be in something a lot better than this, something that he calls life. Not just, not just eternity or heaven or an afterlife, but life. Something is that God has, has, has designed us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Uh, you, you know what a, a deposit is, right? You want to buy a truck from somebody and you negotiate a price, you leave them $100, say, I'll be back. I'll be back with the rest of the money. And that deposit, you know, he's holding your $100. He's, he's not going to sell that truck until you get back. You know, that's a deposit. When Jesus Christ left here, what did he tell the disciples? He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your deposit or your guarantee that there is something else that is coming. That, that's what Paul is talking about here. There is something else that is coming. Now think about it. We, we, there, there are a lot of people who say, well, I don't really know that there is an afterlife. I don't really know that there's anything after this. And some people say, there is not. But we have a national tragedy, and what happens? I mean, what do we do? I mean, the president, what is he? He calls us to prayer, right? I mean, who are we praying to? If there's no God, who are we praying to? I mean, there are so many things that we do as a people, and just in this country, just take this country, so many things we do in, as a people in this country that if there is no God, no afterlife, no heaven or hell, we're just plain silly. Because, I mean, if there is none of that, then when there's a national tragedy, there's nothing to pray to, you know? There's nothing to pray about because this is all we've got is this life right here. There's no reason to. Have you ever been to a funeral without a preacher? Have you? Well, I'm a preacher, but I've never have been to one. You know, I guess it may be, maybe part of that is the reason, you know, because I'm a preacher. But you ever been to a funeral? Think about it. I mean, I... I I have an uncle that uh, he professed to be an atheist. He was my dad's uncle, professed to be an atheist all of his life. I went to his funeral. Guess what? They had a preacher. You know, they had a quartet who sang songs about God. They had scripture reading, and we prayed. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the percentage would be, but it'd have to be close to 99% of all funerals have some spiritual aspect about them. You know why? Because there is something inside of us that God put inside of us. He fashioned us for more than this. He fashioned us for something better than this. Something better than the groaning and the burdening that we go through every day of our life. He fashioned us for something more amazing. And that's why there's something inside of us that, that when, when a national tragedy happens or, 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 or when uh, you know there's a funeral, that there's something inside of us that, that reaches out to something beyond that moment. Something spiritual, something is real. And, and, and you don't need scripture to teach you that because you already know it inside of you. That even before you were a Christian, you knew. I mean, what was it that drew you? There was something that drew you, wasn't there? And so, I mean, and so here's your answer. Somebody asked you a question. Take them to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, these first five verses. Take them right there and let them, let them, let them see this and, and, exp and, and say, what does that say? That says that, man, there's something else inside of us that is looking for a little bit more. Now, let me take you to another one. Myth number two. 
Reincarnation, reincarnation. I, I, you know, and this, this was something that kind of came up, so I, I, you know, I'll bring this one to you this morning. Reincarnate. You ever thought about reincarnation? You know, I, 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 sometimes I'm a little weird about that. I, got, I just got some weird questions about reincarnation. Okay, I mean, first of all, let's talk about what it, what it really means. It is the belief that the soul, which is that thing that we were talking about a few moments ago that is inside this tent, after biological death, what we were talking about, this mortal body, I mean, isn't it, isn't it crazy how that the definition or the description of reincarnation, how it kind of mirrors 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 5? Because it's talking about these same two things, that, that the soul after biological death begins a new life in a new body. It may be human or maybe animal, or maybe some spiritual uh, body, depending on the moral quality of the previous life's actions. And here's my question. Who's in charge of this? I really need to know because I want to I get really good with them because I want to know, you know, who's making sure that all the rules are followed. You know, that if I, if I have a good, you know, moral quality of my life right now, that I'm going to come back as something good. You know, you know what I'm saying? Who's in charge of this? Who's making sure the rules, you know, are followed? Who's the one that is deciding who gets to come back in a, in a royal family and who has to come back as a bed bug? You know, because I, 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 I want to know. I want to get close to that guy. Whoever this is that is making the decisions, who's in charge of this? I mean, you know, nobody's ever explained that, that part of the reincarnation to me. Nobody's ever explained that to me. But let me give you some scripture. Hebrews uh, chapter 9, verse 27. Just as people are destined to die. Once, once, and after that, to face the judgment. We're destined to die one time. Every man, every woman that ever lives, every boy, every girl that ever lives will die one time. And after that, there's a judgment. And, and there's not a judgment, you know, a, a moral judgment to figure out, okay, figure out what kind of body we're going to put you back into. Everyone is appointed once to die. And after this is the judgment. And again, here, uh, you know, the, the, most people that believe in reincarnation, they are spiritual to some. So they, they would listen to this. But this is what the Bible says, which we believe is the true word of God. It is once to die. And, and, you know, and I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't believe in reincarnation. Yeah, but you know what? There are a lot of people, even in Christian circles and Christian churches today, that allow some of these kinds of things to kind of slip in just a little bit into their thinking. You've got to make sure. Here again today, let's focus. We're Christians. It's the word of God. And the word of God only. Okay? And you are appointed once to die. And after this, the judgment. Let me take you to another. Number three. Myth number three. When you die, your soul goes to sleep. That uh, you just kind of go to sleep. You don't know what's going on until one day when something else is going to happen. Whatever that something else is. You know, we got to. Your soul goes to sleep. Again, uh, scripture again. Go back. Second Corinthians chapter five. This is in the, where we were reading just a few moments ago. This is verse eight. We're confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And what Paul is laying out here to us is an understanding that, that when we leave this tent, when we leave this body, then we are immediately present with the Lord. That there, you know, you leave the tent, you're present, you're immediately with the Lord. That there is no, and this was, this is something that was big several years ago that a lot of people thought of. Soul sleep is what they called it. Your soul goes to sleep. You don't know anything going on. However, Jesus told a story. He told a story when he was here and he was ministering about a rich man and a beggar. And the rich man had everything he wanted in life, but the beggar, he, he didn't have anything. 
You know, he, he would have just liked to have eaten the crumbs or he would have liked to have eaten the, the, the dog food that the rich man fed to his dogs. The dogs came and licked his sores and that was the only comfort that he got, just the dogs licking his sores. And then when they both died, the rich man in torment looked up and he saw the beggar in a place that we kind of call paradise or a place that, you know, which is a real, another, another uh, subject for another day. Uh, kind of a deep thing there. But he looked and he saw and he said, he said to Abraham, who was also, had also died because this was many years after Abraham had lived, and he called out to Abraham and said, Abraham, send Lazarus, this, this beggar down, and let him just dip his finger in some water and touch my tongue. And, 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 and all that about this story, what Jesus was saying is, is important stuff. But what's important to us about this right here is the rich man opened his eyes. The rich man saw somebody and he saw the beggar and the beggar was there and the beggar obviously was able to maybe move around because he said, you know, he wasn't asleep. He said, send him here. So it's, so what Jesus is saying, even though Jesus is not, he's not telling this story for this purpose, but what he's telling us in this story is you don't go to sleep when you die. Your soul is still awake and alive. You just leave this body and you leave this body to be as a Christian, to be immediately present with the Lord. Okay. So, so, so again, this message today is a little bit about focus. Let's remember, let's focus right here. When you die, when, when, when you die and, you know, we bring your casket to the front of the church or the funeral home or whatever, that's just your tent. That's just your tent that's now been taken down. You're still alive somewhere. And if you're a Christian, you're already in the presence of the Lord. Now, let me take you to one that disturbs me a little bit, okay? Myth number four. I hate this one at funerals. Well, I hear somebody say this. Oh, God needed another flower in his garden. And so we took your little girl home to be with him so he could plant her as a garden, as a flower in his garden. I, you know, that does, you know, if that was my little girl, that would be no comfort to me. I, I mean, I know we get to a funeral, you know, let me just throw this into for you right here in funerals. When you get to a funeral, can I tell you, nobody knows what to say. Pastors don't know what to say. Psychologists don't know what to say. Counselors, nobody knows what to say. So quit making stuff up to say at funerals, okay? It doesn't matter. The best thing you can do at a funeral is just say, hey, I know you're going through a tough time. I'm here if you need me, and I'm praying for you. But you don't need to make, I mean, we're making this stuff up. I mean, God needed another flower in his garden, you know, or, or it's all part of God's plan. Show me that in scripture. Quit telling people that. I mean, because when you say things like that and you use the name of God, you're preaching. I mean, you're saying, hey, this is what God wants to do. You know, quit, quit doing that. Quit, quit saying things about God that, that aren't true. Let me, let me show you God's plan. Okay, four scriptures right here, all the way back to the book of Genesis. You know, you know what God's plan was? God's plan was to be with us. I mean, there's Genesis chapter three, verse eight said that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they, they heard, they sensed, they knew that they could hear God walking in the cool of the day. They heard God walking in the garden. They walked with God in this time. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden, he was creating a place where he and Adam and Eve could hang out together. I mean, that's what he wanted. Uh, and then uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Jesus Christ came. You know why he came? It says right here. He says he came to reconcile us back to the Father. He came to, you know, because when Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. Jesus Christ came to bring us back home. He came to reconnect us, to bring reconciliation. 
And, and even Jesus, when he, when he called his disciples, it's the very first thing it says about what he, why he called his disciples was to be with him. See it, right? I mean, it's right there, Mark chapter 3, verse 14, that they might be with him. And then it talks about you know, preaching and, and uh, overcoming devils and, and, and powers and things. But the very first thing it says there, he called 12 men to be with him. When he calls you, he's not calling. I, I, I know we, we sometimes we Christians get all bent out of shape about all the rules and stuff. And you need to be doing this and living your life this way. He didn't call you to, to, to fulfill a list of rules. He called you. He called you to be with him. He called you to, he called you to spend time with him. That's why the, these songs this morning that we've sung about being in his presence, that's what he's called us for. That's, that's what God's plan always was. At 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, you know, that, that, that statement up there that, that is all part of his plan. Don't worry about it. Your loved one being dead is all part of God's plan. No, it's not. God didn't plan death. Death came in by original sin. God said... Adam, don't eat of this, this tree here because that day you're going to start dying when you eat that tree. Death came in because it was never part of God's plan. And, and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 15, I mean 1 Corinthians 15 verse 25 says, says that, that Jesus Christ must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet or until he has overcome all enemies. And the very last enemy he will destroy is death. Do you see what that says? Death is not his plan. Death is his enemy. It has fought against his plan all this time. God has been trying to get us together, and death is, death is killing and, you know, and, 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 and separating. Separation was never part of God's plan. God's plan is about being together. Amen. And in the afterlife, after death is done, after your life has expired and you've gone on to be with God, that's when the plan is going to be fulfilled. It has nothing to do with death. It is, death is the, is the enemy of it. It's about connecting. It's about reuniting with God. So where is this going to happen? Okay, myth number five, right? Myth number, where is this going to happen? Because myth number five is we'll live on a cloud in the sky. I mean, y'all have all seen the cartoons, right? You know, Bugs Bunny dies and he goes to heaven, you know, or goes up on a cloud and he's got a halo and, a, and wings and playing a harp or whatever, you know. You've also, you know, you've all seen the cartoon, we're going to live on clouds and play harps, and, which is really good for some of us because some of us don't have any musical ability whatsoever. We're going to be able to play a harp and, and, you know, where do we get this stuff, right? I mean, where do we get this stuff that we're going to live on a cloud or, or, or we'll live in heaven? There's not a scripture that says we'll live in heaven. But see, again... Let's refocus here and let's see what this thing's all about. We actually won't be living in heaven for eternity. We won't be living on a cloud. We won't be living in the sky. We won't be, won't be living in, in, in what we call heaven. Where do we get this idea that we're going to be living in heaven? Let me, let me show you what Scripture says about where we're going to be living. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 3. John says, I saw a new heaven, a new earth. He's having a vision, and God is showing him things that are coming to pass in our future, not just his future, still hasn't happened. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And John said, then I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, the throne of God saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Where's God's home going to be? With us here. You know, we're not going to exists with him in eternity where he's at he's coming here to where we are uh, that's more of his nature anyway isn't it 
His, his nature isn't, isn't like, you find your way to get to me. His nature is, I'll come to you where you are. I'll find you. I'll meet you there. And that's what he's going to do. Now, now where, do we get, where do we get this idea that we're going to live in heaven? I mean, you ever thought about that? We're, we're not, we're not going to live in heaven for eternity. We're going to live on a new earth. And we're going to share more about that, what that new earth kind of thing is like next week. But i got to set it up right here. We're going to live on a new earth. A new earth is God, that God is going to create, okay? It's not going to be heaven. It's going to be a new earth. But where do we get this idea that we're going to live in heaven for eternity? We get the idea that we're going to live in heaven for eternity because what happened? That scripture we read just a few moments ago, that when we leave this body, we're immediately with him in his presence. And so we will go to him, but that's not our eternity. That's the place we go until eternity starts. <laughs> until, and, and where we will be then is... In a new heaven, a new or there'll be a new earth, and the he the heavens, as you know, as Scripture really points the heavens out. I mean, we're talking about the sky, and if you think about the heavens and the earth, how small that is in our universe, because we think of heavens and we're thinking about oh heavens. That's not what the Scripture's talking about. When the Scripture talks about heavens, it's talking about the sky and the clouds, this blue that we see right now, and that is so small compared to this whole universe. But what he is going to do is he is actually going to come and dwell with us. So we need to spend some time talking about what that's going to be like, what that's going to look like, how that's going to be fulfilled. So let me take you to myth number six. Heaven will be boring. You ever heard anybody say that or something like that? Heaven's going to be boring. Uh, and, we, and this was one of the questions we got this week. Some people have the perception of heaven being a constant church service. That's why they think it's going to be boring. You know, and I, I read that and I thought, I think the, the, the re okay. <laughs> let, me, let me say this with as much humility as I can, but it's really hard, isn't it? <laughs> Is it? I think the reason people think heaven's going to be boring if they think it's going to be like a church service is they go to boring churches. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, you know, and, and I, need to I need to tell you what I'm talking about here, okay? I need to tell you what I mean about that. You know, because, I mean, you might say, we're going to do what we've been doing for here for an hour. We're going to be doing 24 hours. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm not saying that. People are saying that, okay? That, I'm not saying that, that that's what it's going to be like. Hang on with me. We've got we to get to there. Some people have the perception of heaven being a constant church service. Many wonder if they turn to Christ, what will we do for eternity? Eternity's a long time. What are we going to do for eternity? You know, people say, heaven's going to be boring. Heaven's going to be like a church service. <coughs> you know what I've never heard anybody say? I've never heard anybody say, heaven is going to be like college football game day in the South. A Saturday, you know, spent at, you know, spent at, the, at, at whatever college, you know, university football team that you follow. It's going to be like tailgating, you know, and hanging out with your buddies and going together, you know, and, and rooting for your team and, you know, having a great awesome time, you know, getting something to eat on the way home and all that. And, and I, never, I never hear people say that kind of a thing, that that's what heaven's going to be like. So, Pastor, are you saying there's going to be tailgating uh, in eternity? I tell you this, you'll have to come back next week to find out. Stand with me if you will.